The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So the question uh, is related to the talk last night and in speaking around uh, renunciation. I spoke about exploring sense desire um, and also I think I did use the words grasping or clinging or craving and um, uh, the other one you mentioned greed greed um, so you know there are relationships between all of them um, I would say that um, sense desire is a very specific kind of wanting of greed related to wanting sense pleasure so the pleasure of i mean it can it can be pleasure of the physical senses so the the kind of the sense desire is usually also connected with this notion that um, our happiness will is in order to be happy we have to get sense pleasure that that is the way to happiness. And so the belief connected with sense desire is a kind of a misunderstanding of how happiness comes about. And and as I mentioned, the Buddha said that um, a kind of pleasure does come through, a kind of happiness does come through getting what we want. But in the, the larger scheme of things, it's probably the least kind of happiness that's out there. You know, it's it's not a very reliable kind of happiness. It's not a very stable kind of happiness. Um, and so uh, so the, the Buddha encourages us to explore. He uses a teaching, which I didn't mention explicitly last night, around sense desire. He, he says, and sense pleasure. He encourages us to look at how gratifying is it to have that sense pleasure? What is the danger of sense pleasure, which is basically that it's so evanescent, it's so impermanent, that uh, relying on it, it's not very reliable as a place for lasting happiness. And so it's, it's unreliable. And we tend to think of it as maybe not being that reliable, but thinking that that's as good as it gets. And so, you know, let me string together. It's like pearls on a string. Let me string together as many of those moments as I can get. And that would be as good as it can get. And the Buddha just points to this is not a very reliable kind of happiness. And there are other kinds of happinesses out there which are available through uh, through the practices of... Um, of mindfulness, of meditation, of wisdom, of beginning to understand how our minds work, of recognizing how our own minds contribute to the way we struggle. And so there's some some deeper kinds of happiness out there. Um, And so the, you know, around sense pleasure, he says, look at the, the gratification, how it makes us happy. And he says, look at how far that gratification extends. How long does it last? Uh, that begins to really point out its evanescent nature, its unreliable nature, which points to the danger, what he calls the danger of relying on sense pleasure for happiness. Um, we're, we're, we're destined to, become, you know, to have times of unhappiness if we rely on sense pleasure to be happy. 
Um, and then the, the last is what he calls the escape from sense pleasure, which is basically this understanding, kind of reorienting around the, uh, the belief that's connected with sense desire, that having what I want will make me happy, that misunderstanding uh, that that is the best kind of happiness that's, that's out there. Um, so that's a little bit about sense desire, a very specific kind of greed connected with pleasure of the senses. But I would say also kind of um, there's, there's certain kinds of mental pleasure that fall into this realm of sense pleasure also. So the, um, the feeling of being in control, for instance, is a kind of a pleasure uh, that... Uh, is also not a very reliable sense pleasure because it's based on delusion. (laughs) Um, The feeling of anticipation, you know, that's a really pleasant experience often. The the moment before we get something, you know, the feeling of anticipation. Related to control, at least in my own experience, the feeling of anticipation is related to this feeling of, I figured it out, I'm going to have this happiness, my life's in order, you know, so it's, it's kind of got that, that aspect to it. And again, this is a kind of sense pleasure that is related to things in the world in some way. So there are different kinds of mental states that are also in this realm of sense pleasure. Um, so a difference between um, a greed and sense pleasure is that greed greed has greed <laughs> we can be greedy for anything <laughs> and so we can we can even be greedy for for um, uh, you know st- states of concentration um, so inher- in you know the the state of concentration in and of itself is a kind of pleasure and there's certain kinds of pleasure that are understood in the, the Buddhist teaching as being uh, in the direction of the path or in the direction of the unfolding of the the deepening of our practice so sense pleasure connected with concentration can be that kind of sense pleasure or not sense pleasure, that kind of pleasure it's not sense pleasure, it is what's called um, niramisa, vedana uh, the, the, uh, and the translation is not of the flesh so pleasure that is not of the senses uh, Gil and I were just talking yesterday about a good translation for this, and you know it's not so good translations, but some spiritual pleasure or non-worldly pleasure, or um, uh, I can't remember some of the others we came up with, but it's it's a kind of a pleasure that unfolds as we move on the path. And so it's not a sense pleasure per se. The pleasure of insight, the pleasure of understanding that as we see something, you know, sometimes we, we can experience a pleasure uh, related to the ability of the mind to meet a difficult state. And so anger can be arising and the mind can be right with it and not be reactive. And there can be a delight there that is certainly different from the anger. It's not really connected to uh, like, pleasant experience in the, I mean, because anger has an unpleasant quality to it, but it's connected to understanding. It's connected to wisdom. And so there's pleasure that comes 
through the deepening of the path. And this is part of how it works, you know. As, as our minds begin to uh, recognize the deeper happinesses that are possible through concentration, through um, wisdom, understanding, we begin to see that those are not so conditioned on, uh, or they're, 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 I mean, the, the, the happiness of concentration, the pleasure of concentration is also conditioned. The happiness of insight is also conditioned, but it's, it's, it's moving us in the direction of letting go of a less reliable, a less, um, a less uh, onward-leading form of happiness. And so, um, so there pleasure, there's pleasure out there that is not what I would call sense pleasure. And yet we can be greedy. <laughs> we can have desire for concentration states. We can, we can spend our time on retreat, which I've done many times, trying to get back to some other state I was in yesterday. And, the, you know, it's like one... Uh, one meditation teacher, Steve Armstrong, occasionally says, um, there's nothing like a good sit to ruin your day. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you, you have a sitting where you're just easeful, let think, you know, there's a lot of release and letting go, and then your next sittings you spend trying to reconstruct that. And so that's greed at work. But it's not greed about um, uh, trying to... Um, yeah, it's 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 not the same kind of thing as sense desire. It's a different a different kind of, but there's some similar mechanisms at work, basically, because that form of greed also believes if I can get back to that sitting, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have figured it out. Then I'll be in control. <laughs> so there are some relationships between them, um, and in either case, it's useful to look at that that desire. Um, Then um, grasping. Grasping, I would say, is uh, kind of a. There's a a gradation, a shading in some ways between wanting or desire or craving. Those words could be used kind of synonymously, um, and grasping that basically the the desire or the wanting is the mind moving towards something it it's the idea that uh that experience that thing will bring me happiness and so it's the movement towards it's the grasping is the having latched onto picked it up, appropriated it. Bhikkhu Bodhi describes the kind of gradation between craving and clinging, another word for grasping, as um, the distinction between a thief reaching out for something to steal it and the picking it up, the appropriating it. So it's it's a gradation but there, there, there's a it's, a, it's a deeper, it's a, it's an intensification of the wanting where it, that the, the, the wanting serves us to motivate us towards the grasping and the grasping is where we've, we basically have a, a stronger sense of identification. This is mine now. 
So the, the grasping includes a strengthening of the, the, the self often around what we're holding on to. Let's see if there's anything more to say here. There is some, I will say one more thing here because um, we can have a, kind of an idea hearing the teachings that all craving, you know, if, if there's any craving at all, then I should stop doing whatever I'm doing. And this can create some tension around craving around the practice. So, you know, it's like, I, I want to be mindful. I'm, I, you know, I've, I, I want to be mindful. So does that mean I should stop trying to be mindful? I want to get concentrated. So does that mean I should stop trying to get concentrated? So there is one teaching... Um, it's given by Ananda. I like that it's given by Ananda, actually. Where Ananda um, is speaking to a nun who um, um, has a crush on Ananda. And um, um, Ananda, she, she, she feigns being sick so that Ananda will come and visit her. And um, Ananda knows what's going on, but he goes and he gives her a teaching. Um, and he says, you know, uh, and I'll just summarize the, the, the two relevant pieces for our conversation right now. He says, there's a, there's a craving that leads to the end of craving. So there's a way in which certain kinds of craving will support us on the path. So for instance, a craving towards concentration will help us to let go of the habit and pull towards aversion anger. <laughs> you know, so it's like the, the, our mind begins to understand that being pulled in the direction of those unwholesome states really takes us down the rabbit hole and we we struggle for long periods of time and we begin to understand that maybe i can you know i can let go of that pull by by holding on to something else by 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 picking up this wish to practice um this wish to understand understand anger and to be present for it. So there may be some greed there. There may be some, some craving there. And yet it's a kind of craving. It's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a step towards letting go because it's helping us to let go of a more unwholesome kind of craving. So at some point, and this is partly how the practice unfolds too, we may, we may act on craving. We may act on the craving towards concentration and the craving towards understanding and um, begin to release some of those habits and patterns towards reactive mind states. And then over time, those reactive mind states begin to diminish in our, in our um, lives. And at that point, what often might begin to happen, and any time actually you see a kind of a suffering around craving to the practice. 
That's a time to look at that. But the, but that the, so the the suffering. I would say that if you're if you're not noticing the suffering of clinging to the practice, because or craving around the practice, because you are, um, it's helping you to let go of a of a more obvious kind of suffering. Then you know, just it's it's okay. It's okay that, that there's that wanting there. In my early years of practice, I could see that I was creating an identity around becoming a meditator. I could see that I was orienting towards wanting to do the practice. And yet it was, there was so much suffering in my life and so much less suffering as I shifted my identity and shifted my relationship to being interested in cultivating concentration and cultivating wisdom that uh, it, it was like there was no question that, that that was helpful. It was a helpful direction. At some point, and sometimes more quickly than others, like on retreat, it quickly became apparent when I was striving to get back to a sitting. Uh, and it's like, okay, that's not so helpful. But in daily life in particular, um, there's, there was a lot of really orientation towards wanting to try to be present for my reactive states. And at some point, that wanting to know, wanting to understand, that orientation towards settling the mind began to have its own form of suffering because there was enough release of the reactive states that the suff- it's, it's like the, the suffering associated with clinging to wholesome states is less obvious often if there's unwholesome, if we're clinging to unwholesome states, that's 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 a more obvious kind of suffering, and so the suffering associated with clinging to more wholesome states is less obvious, and so it takes the falling away of the uh, the more unwholesome or the more the grosser kinds of suffering to begin to see the subtler kinds of suffering, and so sometimes I say, let suffering be your guide. Um, you know, it, it's not so helpful to to re- to say or to realize. Well, I really, you know, I'm wanting to be mindful, so I shouldn't I shouldn't try to be mindful. That's not going to serve you <laughs> either. Um, another piece that Ananda pointed to was around identity. You know that there are certain identities that support us letting go of other identities. Um, so. I just want to put that out there to to not have a kind of a, a cut and dried relationship, you know, to say, uh, okay, so I want to do the practice, so I should stop practicing. You know, in some ways, the, um, the practice is onward leading. It will be because the understanding is that we are looking for how the mind contributes to suffering and how you know, greed, aversion, and delusion contribute to the struggles in our mind, then it, it, it's self-correcting as we go. You know, the, the grosser kinds of greed, aversion, and delusion fall away. It's kind of like there's layers in our mind of deeper and deeper levels of craving and greed and aversion. And uh, as the, the, out, the, the more obvious layers fall away, the subtler ones begin to, to show themselves. And we, um, we may have uh, used some of those subtler kinds of craving to help us let go of the more obvious ones. So I just wanted to you know, not create a, 
uh, a kind of just a very dichotomous approach to looking at craving and clinging. So um, I'll try to remember both pieces, so I'll say them, so you'll all help me, is the, the piece about the, the uh, compassion towards the tick, uh, and then the other piece around uh, the pleasure of um, experience, and um, not feeling like you're going out for it, but it's just coming to you. You didn't particularly ask a question about that piece, but I want to just speak to something about that. Um, so first about the uh, the compassion, you know, I feel I'm delighted to be in a group of people who are interested in looking at, can I extend compassion to a tick? You know, that is, that's not the normal way people engage in our, in our world. So even that thought is moving you in the direction, whether you can feel it or not. The intention is, so you said maybe fake it, you know, it's like there was, a, there was a kind of a wish that you could feel that compassion in a way. That's what I heard, was that there was a wish that you could have more of that connection or that compassion. And yet it wasn't there. But connect to the wish, because that's the intention. That is the intention towards compassion. And that's that's exactly what I was pointing to last night, that the um, the wish for compassion, you know, just connecting to that. Maybe maybe the expression could be, may someday I be able to really feel that feeling, feel the feeling of compassion for that tick. Um. Let's see. Um, so that's the way compassion practice and metta practice work. That we express the wish, may I be happy, may you be free from suffering. And uh, um, um, and that that is the inclining of the mind in that direction, which begins to move the mind in that direction. And, and acting as compassionately as you can toward the tick supports that. You know, it supports that possibility. So, um, you know, it just, just uh, one of the things that I reflect on, and this is something the Buddha encourages, is just reflecting that all beings are just trying, in a way, to live their life. They're just, they're following their nature. They're just trying to live their life. And that all beings want to have ease, have nourishment, have food, have, have safety at some level, whether it's conscious or not, that, that that's how we're all designed as living beings. And then the poignancy of how hard it is to be a being in this world, you know, that this particular tick is going to lose his life for, for this. And I, I, that, that's, I would do the same, you know, it's not, it's not there's not there's not a judgment about that you know it's just just to to recognize and to but to understand too that 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 
that be, so part of the part of the, the the challenge may be because you're taking an action. It's like you have to separate yourself from that action in a way. It's almost like you know I, I've I've had to work with bed bugs, and yes, I do things to um, to keep the bed bug you know to to basically you know kill the bed bugs that are there. And part of the way I, I worked with it, you know, it's like this is really this is not an easy thing for me. But but working with it, like realizing that I live in a, a community, a place, you know, I live in a place where there are apartments nearby, and bed bugs travel really quickly; they propagate very quickly. And so, you know, if I didn't kill the bed bugs, you know, if I didn't do that, they would multiply very rapidly. They would infest the homes on either side. I know that the people on either side would certainly be killing the bed bugs. And so, in some way, I thought there's far less suffering if I if I keep the infestation from expanding than it is if I let it go. So, again, it's like I'm I, thinking about it is a big piece of it thinking about that that connection I'll turn the recording off and and then the piece around um, sense pleasure you know pleasure comes to us so drinking water when we're thirsty is pleasurable being in nature when we are mindful actually is more pleasurable than when we're not mindful you know if we're present and are in nature, it can be a, a feast for the senses. And so in some ways, it's paradoxical, but in some ways the, the, the kind of place of receptive, relaxed awareness where there's not clinging creates the conditions for more pleasure. This is not the pleasure of grasping. So sense pleasure and sense desire are not the same thing. So we can desire. I mean, it, 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 it's like, you know, if you're, if you're out in nature and it's like, and I've seen this at times, it's like something really beautiful hits me. Whew, and then it's like, oh, got to save this, get out my phone, you know. And it's like there, there's, there's a way in which some of that movement can, can bring in some craving to to the system, but you know, so so just being aware of when, and it's kind of like that that feeling around the tick, you know, it's like the the cut offness. There's a subtle feeling of being a little bit cut off as you know the experience of being really present in the terrain of, you know, being in the world, and it's amazing. I mean, we can we can find pleasure in looking at a sidewalk. I mean, it's not. It's not just about the beauty of nature. It's just the pr- being present creates the conditions for us to appreciate that experience of seeing or the experience of hearing. At one point I had heard an opera uh, and my ears were really tuned to listening and my friend and I went to a, a busy restaurant after that and the sounds of the, of the noise, the clinging and the clanking of the, the glass and the the silverware it just sounded like the opera to me. It was like, whoa, that's intense. That's amazing. You know, so just bringing into that, um, that pleasure of just being present for even a kind of chaotic 
sound that I wouldn't normally have thought of as pleasant. And so the, the being present cre- can create that pleasure. So, you know, to, to be, be careful again around the idea that if I'm experiencing pleasure, it must mean that I'm craving it. Maybe there is some craving in there, but, you know, trust your intuition around, am I suffering here? Again, let suffering hide there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>